The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And I had uh, shared a little bit on Tuesday about the kindness practice in action in daily life of exploring our intentions before we speak as another practice of cultivating kindness and compassion. So it is kind and it is compassionate to pause for a few seconds, if possible, and explore uh, intentions for speaking. And I mentioned this useful acronym WAIT, W-A-I-T, that someone came up with that stands for Why Am I Talking? And using that as an invitation to pause, take a breath or several breaths, and check on what intention is arising that is prompting the urge to speak or the wish to speak. And we did, you know, we acknowledge that it's much easier to do in this group when we do breakout groups or in Dharma settings to take that pause, recognizing that our culture is can be highly competitive in terms of getting something into a conversation. Um, our culture, our workplaces, sometimes our families have us conditioned towards urgency in conversation. Um, the idea that we've got to get in there and make our point there can be a kind of pressure, but remembering that that is a conditioned kind of pressure to present ourselves ourselves and our opinions. Sometimes it may be very important. Other times it may be optional, and we're sort of studying when is the intention to speak important and when is it optional. Um, there's another area of speech and listening where most of us have a lot of conditioning and where we can bring the practices of kindness and compassion. Many of us have been taught that the way to show interest in another person is by asking questions. Is that true for some people here? So this might be, you know, a fairly frequent occurrence in some families, relationships, and workplaces. Maybe you've even heard uh, a friend complain about whether a, another friendship they have is truly reciprocal. You know, maybe they say something like, that person never asks about me or never asks me any questions about how it's going for me. And of course, that can be really painful if you've been trained that asking questions shows interest. Um, and if you're in a relationship with someone who is expecting questions as a show of interest or kindness or, you know, compassion, it can be painful uh, for the person whose conditioning is along the lines of somebody's going to volunteer what they want to share. You don't need to ask. So some people have that conditioning that, you know, if somebody wants to tell you, they're, they're going to volunteer. You don't have to ask. And maybe it's not even in some uh, settings, it's not helpful to ask. So it's natural, of course, to want our relationships to be mutual. And yet, we all grow up with different conditioning. We all go through our adulthood with different experiences. So I'm thinking it could be very interesting to extend the WAIT acronym from 
why am I talking to include why am I asking this? So we can look at our intentions in asking questions of other people. Is the intention behind my question uh, consistent with wise speech? So is it honest, kind, timely? Will it unify people? So I'm going to list a few types of questions and see if you've ever experienced one or more of these. Maybe something will bubble up. So there are questions with hidden agendas. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of one of those. Or there are questions that contain opinions or kind of making a statement rather than being purely a curious inquiry. Questions can often be more about the person doing the asking, what the asker is interested in rather than what the person being questioned is interested in. Um, Questions can certainly be too personal or sensitive or painful for the person being asked. Sometimes certain questions make people feel like they're an outsider or it just inadvertently brings up suffering that we don't know that they've experienced in their life. There are some questions that contain um, assumptions that we haven't checked out. And there are certainly questions that seek correct answers, you know, the the so-called loaded question. On the other hand, there are questions that are quite open-ended and allow the other person to go whatever direction they want to go. There's a lot of kindness in that. There are questions that gently help in clarifying what someone's really trying to convey instead of assuming, you know, when they've said something in a way that's unusual for you, we can assume sometimes that something's intended to be offensive or hurtful, or we can just plain misunderstand. But a clarifying question sometimes helps us get at what is really meant. And then there are questions that encourage the other person's process of discovery, you know, that convey a lot of respect for the fact that they are having the experience and they're going to reach their own conclusions and learn in their own way from it. Um, What's very interesting to me is that someone to whom you're listening might feel heard sometimes more effectively if you spend nearly all the time just listening with you know with it being clear that you're listening carefully and you're interested um there's tremendous value in refraining from asking questions to give the other person space and flexibility in going where they want to go there've actually been some studies that have shown that the majority of people would rather speak, especially about a difficulty they're going through, when they're ready to volunteer information about it, instead of having even a good friend asking them about it. So that's interesting. Not that every study shows that, but interesting data point. So there's this beautiful practice in Buddhism that's described in one of the suttas, which is called the Samanya Pala Sutta. Translated into English, the fruits of the contemplative life. Uh, 
And it's a very comprehensive sutta. The Buddha is asked a number of questions about the spiritual benefits of living as a monastic. But in one section that I was particularly focused on called the lesser section on virtue, one of his replies about the spiritual benefits of monastic life is a a comment, abandoning the taking of what is not given. One abstains from taking what is not given. One takes only what is given, accepts only what is given. So this is offered as one of the qualities of being honest and living a virtuous life. And the same section includes passages about not killing living beings and taking general care in one's conduct. So the obvious message about not taking what is not, not offered is don't steal. But if we explore it more deeply, it's really interesting to consider times um, that we could think about what else might be meant by taking more than is given or taking what is not offered. It might be possible to take more than is given in a conversation or in how we treat someone's time or certainly how we treat their property. And by becoming aware of this, we can develop these uh, virtues of respect and self-restraint as well as being kind towards another person. So the main point here is that all these conversational habits can be worth exploring. Why am I asking this? Am I satiating my idle curiosity? Am I indulging in an urge for entertainment or gossip? Am I asking more than the other person is naturally inclined to volunteer about themselves? So it's interesting to explore ways that being present for all of your intentions and and what other people might be willing to share is very similar to how we work with mindfulness of our own thoughts, reactions, our own strong emotions. So just a little food for practice this evening. And with that, um, maybe we can settle into meditation together. Taking your time to come into your body and into awareness of this moment, perhaps with some kindness and compassion for whatever conditions are coming with you this evening. Conditions of the mind, conditions of the body, life conditions. And you could be experiencing a good deal of peace or any level of challenge. Just giving yourself time to bring some ease and take your time to be here and set aside what can be set aside and acknowledge 
what wants your attention. Taking whatever time you need, perhaps bringing to mind a time when you were doing your best to communicate with someone else, and still it felt somehow uncomfortable or not quite in sync. Bringing to mind your good intentions in that conversation or conversations. Perhaps seeing yourself, seeing the good qualities you were bringing to the conversation, and perhaps picturing or feeling how the other person was responding or not responding. And Allowing that into your mind and heart with with some compassion. We humans are not perfect at communicating with one another. And if it works for you, this meditation will do some inclining of the mind towards wishes of kindness and compassion. If this is not where you are this evening, it's no problem. You can do kindness and compassion meditations for anyone, for yourself, for anyone else who is on your heart and mind. Working with the challenging conversation, sending wishes, not demands, but just inclinations of heart and mind. May I be kind to myself and the other person when communication is challenging.
May we be well, even when we don't seem to understand each other. May we be free from inner and outer harm. May we be compassionate with any difficulty. May we find ease, even in a challenge. May any difficulty come to an end. May any suffering over difficulty come to an end. And we'll continue in silence for the rest of the meditation with whatever wishes of kindness and compassion fit for you. Kindness for yourself and another person when things are difficult. Well wishes. Freedom from inner and outer harm. Ease. And the wish for any suffering to come to an end.
So this area of <clears throat> wise speech, of uh, pausing before we speak and looking at our intention for speaking or our intention for asking a question, is an area where we really need to practice great compassion and kindness for ourselves as well as other people because this is the area where the differences between our the way we've been conditioned and the way other people have been conditioned shows up you know the way we think the way we speak are often very um important areas for being able to see where there are causes for stress or suffering or dissatisfaction in us. You know, sometimes we can uncover deep patterns of uh, self-criticism or judgment of other people. We can uncover the desire to control things or the desire to insulate ourselves from things you know, aversion to push things away. We can discover, you know, wishes that or, or beliefs that everything should always go smoothly and uh, not realizing that there's so many times that dukkha um, involves mismatch, natural mismatches between people and what they've learned. So I hope that above everything else, people practice kindness and compassion when working with this. So um, a possible topic for exploration in the breakout groups tonight would be what is most supportive for you in difficult conversations or in challenging conversations where there is that mismatch or you are seeing things come up in yourself that are tough. Um, so you, you could consider that as a possible topic. And as usual, what we do in our breakout gr groups is that each person takes a short turn and shares just one thing at a time. Um, and one short thing. And then the next person takes their turn and we go around the circle multiple times. And this is in groups of usually three or four people each. So in doing that, it gives you the opportunity to take this pause listen to what the other person's saying with care. And we speak just for ourselves when it's our turn. We don't really interrupt the other person or, or ask questions or offer comments. We, we watch what's going on inside of us, what we're learning about ourselves, what we're, what's coming up in response. And then we take our turn when time comes around. So, um, Let's start with the person whose first name is closest to the letter Z and work our way backwards through the alphabet. Um, and with that, I'll send you to the breakout rooms and you'll have 10 minutes and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back. We now have about eight minutes to share any comments, any inspirations, any questions, anything at all. So feel free to raise your hand or unmute yourself if you're not visible on screen.
Neil, please. So, I, by the way, I really like the, the talking about taking something which isn't giving as part of wise speech. I thought there was an interesting tack. Um, I haven't heard talking to oneself as being involved in wise speech. Would that be considered, right? Because I am the least wise in how I communicate with myself. There is, There could be no doubt. I'm the least wise and the most cruel in my, you know, silent, self-directed communications. Yes, and I'm guessing that many people in this room have also been through that or are still going through that. And um, I think it's a great place to look at wise speech um, with kindness because you know, are we kind when we speak to each other, speak to ourselves, you know, internally? Are we timely? Are we pressuring ourselves or, you know, doing other things? Um, is what we're doing harmonious or bringing us together with other people? Or is it part of what makes us feel isolated or at, in conflict? You know, uh, so it's a wonderful place to study before things come out of our mouth. How do we talk to ourselves? And so often, the there are very subtle and very different ways that that comes out when we speak to other people. It's not necessarily direct. You know, we can be highly self-critical, and then when we're engaged in conversation with other people, we might think that they're as critical of us as we are of ourselves. Or there's all these things to study about it. So I really appreciate the question, Neil. I think it's a very interesting yeah. practice. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, thanks. Serena, are you still there? Yeah, there you are. Well, I think that two things that I shared that maybe people don't think about is that uh, it's really a good idea to make sure that I, if I'm having a difficult conversation, I'm going to have a difficult conversation with somebody to make sure that I've actually eaten or had something to drink. I mean, that now seems really weird to say, Not to but I'm, t- I'm telling you, if I'm hungry or thirsty, you know, that really affects my speech. You know, that really affects the way I act and it, it affects my speech. No question about it. I've noticed it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And also, when I feel like I don't have a way out, like when I feel like I'm supposed to sit there and listen, as you know, and I don't have a way out, that, you know, uh, I don't have a choice that I can leave if I want to leave, if this feels too uncomfortable to me. So not giving myself a way out is also not a good thing mm-hmm. because that, that, that definitely is harmful. Mm-hmm. It's harmful. To, it's harmful to me. So I guess all three things have to do with not harming myself. Actually, there are things that I've learned along the way, which seem very basic and at survival, but I think that unless I take care of those basics at survival level, I can't do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. The yes. other stuff, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not capable of doing it unless those 
three things are are taken care of for me. That's really helpful, Serena. And I don't take them as too basic. Actually, I think that, you know, there's a phrase that's entered our culture that I have heard parents use with their kids, hangry. <laughs> that they're more crabby when they're not well fed or, you know, we get dehydrated and we run out of energy or um, if we don't take care of ourselves and we feel trapped in a conversation, we can, all kinds of things can happen. So thank you very much for bringing those up. Those are very valuable pieces of self-knowledge that everybody could reflect on. Thank and you. yes, Hugh, you had your hand up. Um, if you could unmute, if you want to share. I love the wait. Why am I talking? And, and um, lately, like the last few days, I've been asking it. Uh, I've been uh, when someone's talking to me, I've asked myself, "Why are they talking?" And uh, that um, that kind of opens the door for me into um, having a seeing deeper into what their conditioning is and what is what bring what's pushing them into this conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful to be sensitive to you know why is this communication coming to me? Like what what do they what might they need? What might they want? It's it's great and. There are quite a few people we can actually gently check in with them. Like, wonder if you're wanting something from me right now or, you know, stuff like that's really useful to reflect on. So thanks very much, Hugh. It's great. Thank you. And Claudia. Hi, everybody. Um, so I had a little bit of an epiphany uh, that I shared with my group, but I think part of why I might want to talk and comment. I mean, I'm definitely an extrovert, but I think it was perhaps I just got the little light bulb that I might have not been heard or understood in my um, immigrant family where my parents um, didn't want to speak English. And so I was forced to speak Spanish to them. But of course, my Spanish got worse and their English never materialized and so I think there's like this inner need that was never really met. So for me, talking is a big thing. Um, now that I have that epiphany, thank you for the group. I'm going to work on that. Thank you, Claudia. That's fantastic. It's amazing that, you know, that this is a, a lifetime or a lifelong study, this study of why we're speaking, what our intention is, what is happening with the other person it's really the deep deep area of practice it's the deep end of the pool so you know we can take our time with this one and uh, many epiphanies may follow i hope for all of us so uh it's seven o'clock already time flies when you're having fun and if you'd like to unmute and say good night and thank you to each other please do Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. 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 Thank you.